Blog Talk Radio. Urban Glory Radio. Simply Glory. commentary on things that I don't think the 
popular community is being properly informed on by by media and now social media, which is also another component that's affecting our reality. But in essence, you need to know and be informed on what's going on in the world. Preachers especially need to know what they are, what they can and cannot do, what laws have changed and what has not. Know the difference between hate speech and and um, speaking conviction, and that's just a true reality. I have a good friend; he's very controversial, but he's a great guy, brother uh, Pastor Darrell. Um, I know he's probably laughing, though I was mentioning his name, but he's a good guy. And he has a different um, approach to certain things. And if you don't hear him carefully, you may think uh, you may think he's on gone to the other side. But what he does, to especially those who are in the church, is really get us to really check our message to see if we really, uh, uh, really exemplifying that which we say we have mastered. And that's something that we all need to do from time to time. But one of the major things that me and him do agree on. There are a lot of things we may not agree on either. But uh, one of the things we do agree on is that people are not properly informed as what really took place. And so I want to encourage you to get that. Also, I want to encourage you, as I do every week, to get a notebook specifically for this teaching. Some people are looking for more, um, and they have been looking for more. And I've specialized Sundays to really go in-depth into the Word of God for that very reason. To just kind of get out. Of, I mean, sometimes you can't get it on Sunday because you got a you got a a, a, a diverse uh, uh, audience, so you can't you can't preach a lot of meat. But on a broadcast that's specifically geared for meat on Sunday mornings in the Word, right prior to you attending church, you can listen to it. Amen. And I'm not going to tell you not to go to your uh, your local church and take you away from your ministry because I want you to go to your own local church into your own ministry. I want you to support the kingdom and the advancing of the kingdom of God, which starts in the local church, which Christ built. Amen? So um, we're going to be talking about that a little bit today in our Overcomers Theology, uh, which we've changed to the Overcoming Way, which is the book that I'm writing, The Overcomers Way. And we have been going line upon line through this. And we're in Division 2, Lesson 3. And we're going to pick up from where we left uh, started last week. And I'm not going to I'm going to do somewhat of a review, um, but I'm going to get into new information and kind of conclude this uh, division two, so we can start division three next week. Amen. Well, let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to sit there. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your ways. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we be praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 We have been on Overcomers, uh, the Overcomers Way, and we've been talking about the theology or what, what, what is the logic behind God's idea of us overcoming. We talked about it is ultimately... I'm going to, the purpose, goal, and objective to affirm 
our pursuit of knowing God more intimately so we can serve him more faithfully. And in doing that, we will awaken core values and establish our convictions and the advantages that we have as a result of establishing God's word as final authority. When God's word is final authority, what we do is answer systematically the value of having this theology as an overcomer, as a means of advancing in life. Overcomer theology is a discipline of involving a reflection on faith and beliefs in light of the Christian advantage. The Christian advantage, and I want you to always remember that in our convictions, our commitments, and our character around these discovered reflections. We talked about three essential areas that we uh, that really indicate whether we are truly experiencing the overcomer's way. And um, one of them was overcoming sin, right, because sin separates us from God initially. And anything that is not in faith is sin, right? So overcoming, um, not only are we overcoming sin, we've been talking about overcoming the world. We started in First John 5, 5, love not the world. But then we also are going to be dealing with later this summer into um, fall, overcoming by faith, because, of course, if anything that is not in faith is sin, everything that is in, in, in faith overcomes sin. And um, and we can overcome sin. You can check out Romans 5 to get that revelation. Amen? So overcomers is a spiritual con- overcoming is a spiritual con- quest to recover and to reform all the original nature and the intents of God's plan in our lives meaning that we need to find out what God's saying is. And I tell you, in light of, in light of the time that we live in, we, we cannot be uh, a message I gave years ago shaken by the ship. You know, I said there's going to be a very line of, uh, a clear line of demarcation of what you really believe and who you really believe in. And, I, you know, um, unfortunately, because of the time of heightened sexuality, we tend to to draw um, emphasis on the standards of how we express our sexuality. It's a lot more than that. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eye are what really uh, we're dealing with. And no matter whether it's sexuality, sociality, sensuality, if, um, if it's not under the sovereignty of God and, uh, and under the control of our steadfastness in Christ, uh, then, then those attacks that we are experiencing will empower. But uh, one of the parts in Division Two, when I was talking about overcoming sin, was was really coming to grips in terms with there being a sat- satanic influence or Satan. The Bible says, "Be aware of the devil's devices," and, and of course, in a world that is so secularized, it's almost scrutinized to really suggest that truly we're dealing with satanic influences and activities um, because, uh, because naturally we are prone uh, to, uh, to empower, say, um, empower the neutralization of our spiritual DNA. You know, we, we want to play it safe and act like that the things that are going on in this world are not costly. Amen. But they are, they are very costly because 
Satan is the source of world corruption and empowered through acts of disobedience and iniquities. And we need to understand that Satan is the God of the world. And I wanted it to be very clear that the world that the scripture is talking about is not speaking of the world, um, the earth, but the system set to disobey the standards of God. All right, because because you'll 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 inflict judgment on the literal earth, but no, there is no judgment that will take place on the literal earth unless um, until God just decides to reestablish the earth. Amen. So um, don't don't get into that that mindset and. Um, Sin is what separates our fellowship with God, but separation from the world is what gives context to the culture of our relationship with God. So Satan seeks control, and that's what I want you to remember. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So a lot of times the people that really most interact with him are those who are in the light. And the influence is to make it appear like sin is normal. You know, sin is normal, but sin separates us from God. So in the Christian life, if to live is Christ, then sin is not normal for us, and it should not be. All right? In First Peter, Satan seeks um, whom he may devour. In um, Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan is the God of this world. That's, that's where we find it up in First John 5.19. And Luke 18 says Satan attempts to take away the word from the people's heart. That's the parable of the soil. And, of course, you know, if you don't understand the parable of the soil, you can't understand any other parable. So seeing that he does this, we have to arm ourselves with our Savior. And our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. The live is Christ, you know. Um, but, you know, one of the challenges that we have when we when we make an overt stance for Jesus Christ. One, we we um, see that we are initially rejected. We are rejected. We are rejected. The stone that the builder rejected was the chief cornerstone. Of course, it was talking about Jesus. They didn't realize that what was necessary for the redemption of mankind was his rejection. Rejection was the, was one of the steps that caused him to be raised to his reigning in, in his obedience to God. And, of course, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. And that doesn't necessarily mean that um, it was physical suffering, but things that he had to endure. And one of the things that he had to endure was deep-seated rejection, rejection from people. And God often teaches us through rejection um, how, how – um, how important it is for us to maintain our standards of faith, all right? But not only is he rejected by the world, but he's received. We are received, rather. We are received uh, in the family of God. And in that reception, there is a reconciliation that takes place. And in that reconciliation, that reconciliation means we're not only brought right with God, but also with other people. We come to terms with what life is all about. But also, we, there is a restructuring that takes place. And that's what, what we as ministers try to convey on Sunday 
as best as we can. And hey, you have been there being Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Right? So so if that what's happening, there's a whole restructuring that takes place. We 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 make substitutions for our sensuality and our sin conscience and our state of disobedience. And those 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 things that we 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 do we do deliberately. All right. And then ultimately we resolve the righteousness. Okay? So um in 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 our stability, all right, when we accept the Lord Jesus as our personal savior, we become saved. Okay. That means delivered. Salvation. Now I'm going somewhere with this. But in the process of salvation, we receive things from the Lord. We receive, number one, equality. Equality. We, we realize that God in his, in his sovereignty makes us equal by giving us insights on how to exist in the, in the best of, of, of um, our species. That what, when, we, when those who, because we died with him, to the ways of this world, we also are raised to him to the newness of life in Christ. And because of that, we have equality with God. And we don't look at that as robbery because we willingly obey because we know in him we move, live, and have our being. Equality. And Philippians let us know Jesus had equality with God, but he thought it not robbery to have that same mindset and make himself, and, and yet he still made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant. Servant. You know, and it tells us, let this same mindset be a part of us. And and we need to know that he that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. So our equality changes, and then our ability changes. He tells us to be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, take dominion. In other words, we come from a dominant factor, a dominator's perspective. He places us in a garden called life, just like he did Adam. And we have a responsibility to develop that life into that very nature and that environment which is conducive for us to reign with Christ. And unfortunately, people have so secularized the deliverance that takes place when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, people are not starting with these things which God guarantees when we accept them as salvation, equality, ability, and then thirdly, authority. You know, there's a scripture that I wanted to give you here in Luke 19. And I mean, this is a it's a familiar scripture, and sometimes we so familiarize everything that we lose the very essence uh, uh, of which God is is giving us. Luke 10:19, and I want you to hear this in the King James version. He said, "Behold, I give unto you power. What's power? Authority." to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Now, listen, I know that sounds very simple. We, we have underestimated the reality that we have in the great deliverance that we have when we conform and convert to the things of God. But he says he's given us power to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means hurt you or nothing will harm you. Right, 
or nothing, or the scripture says, by nothing will any, by any means. Shall, I love the King James. I skipped in two versions. Says, and nothing by any means will harm you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? Why? Because he's giving you all power to tread upon scapes and to overcome all the power over the enemy. So God has embedded us with the power to overcome. We don't have to sing, we shall overcome. We have overcome. We have the ability to overcome the world. And the enemy has done a great job trying to tell us otherwise. But the devil is a liar in my bishop, uh, Harry Jackson's voice. So um, this great salvation evident in us, all right? Now, uh, the reason why I'm, I'm already in part three, because I, I started off with, uh, in this uh, place, we have sequenced ourselves to establish power shifts. Why? Because the things that God affords humanity for stability is our equality with him, our ability in him, and our authority. And through that, we have security, security, that the devil can't play any old kind of, of, of means and play any old kind of tricks and get away with it because we're children of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Greater is he that was in us than he that's in the world. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens uh, perfect love and cast away all fear. Glory to God. There's enough in the scripture to affirm you and who you are. You know, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the, the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. See, you like to constantly affirm who you are. You got to know that you have equality, ability, authority, security, and then lastly, you got to walk in your liberty. All right, you got to walk in your liberty. Now, I didn't say that before because it's part three of the shifts, sequence. Um, I call it step sequence to establish power shift. And and um, a few years ago, we see in the scripture there's power shifts. You remember with Moses and Joshua. Samuel and David, John the Baptist and Jesus, Mary and Elizabeth, of course, uh, that and Paul and Timothy. You see these shifts taking place. Paul was establishing the church. Timothy had to, to go off of what he learned. Same thing with John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus was the way. And, and so in those shifts, this is what's taking place. Societal shifts are taking place now. Who serves the Lord? Who serves the devil? And it's going to become clearer and clearer. And you got to know which side are you on. Are you on the overcoming side? <laughs> or are you on another? Salvation must be fully understood to walk in its confidence. And, and this requires to us uh, to know what, who, when, where, and why we believe what we believe. And let me tell you, people will suggest to you that you don't really believe what you believe. That's why you got to investigate in your own salvation and find out if you're experiencing the life which Christ died for you to achieve. All right? Salvation is a deliberate act of submission with, uh, to, to, uh, to comply with the stipulations uh, uh, that God has aligned through his principles over all others and accept his word as final authority. And this is this is what people have problems with. A lot of preachers even have problems with it. You know, can can I just accept 
what God has done as the way, the truth, and the life. See, what happens is the pressures of this world, the penalties of the past, purposeless ambitions, powers of the sin conscience, and pauses to destiny will often distort God's final authority. See, what we're saying when we say we, we accept the word of God as final authority, you hear me say that in a lot of teaching. You hear me say that when I minister the word. And what I'm saying is this. At the end of the day, does God's word stand in your life? Now, his word is already proven to the portal of time. It's potential or it's potency. It's ability to change circumstances. And reality. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So, if the Word of God has a proper place in your life, can you, can you, can you authentically, confidently assume that when you accept that that state of deliverance, submit to its stipulations over the suggestions as far as Societal stipulation. Can it hold? Because a lot of times in the day of judgment, we're, 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 we're wishy-washy as to what we really believe and what we're really standing on, especially when it comes to God's ability to redeem us from sin and, and to present us faultless, that we can enter into that, not only the throne of grace, but operate in that amazing grace, which the president spoke uh, occasionally. I'm going to leave that long. <laughs> See, see, grace has been distorted. <laughs> you know, you know, people want to sing it, but they don't want to experience it. But grace keeps you from falling, and it presents you faultless, so you can have exceeding confidence in your life. Things really are are, are really what what are con, con, uh, the world of the the church is dealing with today. Are we really are we really experiencing this salvation? Because salvation was never meant to be solely an internal insurance, internal insurance package, but a manner of life which practically implements a supreme standards for living. Now, these are what ensure uh, our steps. Our steps are are sequenced through established power shifts. The power shift of salvation um, is engaged through salvation. Salvation is virtually impossible to experience without a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us experience from supernatural enlightenment of mind. Now, how do we have enlightenment of mind? I want to talk about it. I love enlightenment. The interest of that word given light and um, the scripture uh, begins with let there be light, which is, which is, God, which is God's force of emotion, God's force of power engaged into our times and our reality. You know, Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, and as a result of being exposed to to our encounters with God, we become more aware of how we should truly exist, and then, and we rely on those those facets of enlightenment push us into um, things that show us real power, to show us real power. See. When you are embedded in God's enlightenment, you begin to recognize what what all your power complexes, <laughs> where where the seat of power really exists. 
you, you see where your personality conflicts with poverty. You see the patterns of people and the emulations which people uh, mimic, you know, who they act like. Do they act like God or do they act like the devil? And then, of course, you know, you see plausible accepted iniquities because, see, iniquities are sin, sin traits that are passed out from generation to generation that is accepted as normal. And that's what's happening. It's, it's so perverted. Perversion is empowering itself. And, of course, the devil don't come in as a, a you know, we, we've made him a cartoon with antlers and a pitchfork, but he transforms himself with somebody in a righteous life, a standard of righteousness. He's a he's an enemy that suggests disobedience in the midst of obedience. So you need to learn what you're really standing on. What shift are you riding on as your standard of salvation or your state of deliverance? Right? Because salvation ultimately is deliverance, experiencing the supernatural enlightenment of mind and, and, and of course ultimately what is challenging when you become enlightened in your mind, you become personally devoted to God. And that's ultimately what's happening. To avoid you from really seeing God as he truly is and seeing how to exist as God, all of these other things will come and distort you, distract you, the master of distraction, to make things that are supernatural natural. And the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know them. So, And when we say that in Corinthians, we say that as far as obtaining the knowledge of God. But what about experiencing the power of God. Because here, glory to God, I just sent the anointing all over this as I always do. But um, I tell you, um, you know, if we say the natural man cannot obtain the things of God because they're spiritually deserved, what makes you think a person that is spiritually defeated, defeated, um, um, uh, deprived of the reality of God in their life is going to experience the love of God. Now, God has a love for the world to draw them out. His love was compelled, compelled him to push Christ on the scene to make Christ a stand-in for our sins so that we can have salvation. Hallelujah. But not only is, is that the case, glory to God. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But see, see what's happening today is is the power of God is is being reduced to to natural stuff. And we we gotta understand God can reveal and display Himself in power. This is a power play. When when the perversion of the world is being is is being cited as normal, it's a power play over the pure, but to the pure, all things are pure, amen. So so the, although the power of God is present, we're often like Jesus when he went to his own home country. He couldn't do but a few miracles every now and then. But we, as the people of God, need to understand the kingdom of God is not a word, but it's in power. And these shifts are taking place in our lives because it's confronting whether we are experiencing God, having an enlightenment of mind, having encouraged esteem, because a lot of us have esteem issues. We don't really know who we are. We will 
we will easily suggest because all sin that all are sinners, and that's not true. Evidence of um, that we need evidence that the word of God works, <laughs> and this is this is what what's happening. You should not be professing anything that you believe unless you know it works for you. And in this generation, we got a lot of people that say they believe God, and this stuff don't work for them. It doesn't work. And we're, and we're wondering why the devil is running havoc with them. All right, I got to get on to more information. We, um, five things the world seeks to do, suggest an alternative to the life of God, sensationalize logic and learning with being subject to the lordship of Christ without being um, subject to the lordship of Christ. Sink you to the courses of disobedience and defilement. Satisfy you with temporal pleasures, uh, passions, and pursuits distorting long-term success, and silence the authority of the speaking spirit. And that's what we're really talking about when we talk about this penalty of the past, purposeless ambition, power, sin, conscience, policy, the destiny, and, and perversions in the world. And we talked about how uh, it, it, um, ultimately that these things lock the um, believer in distorting the walk, the work, and the witness, Okay. And that that has given us direction, profession, and confession. And we have to secure those things. And the only way we can secure it is through the new information that we're giving today, which is the shift through realized sanctification. We have to sanctify the Lord God in our heart. Now, listen to this. Jesus gives us a very um, startling revelation in John 15, verse 18. He says, if the world hates you, you know that they have hated me before they hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than its master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep your they would keep their, um they would keep yours also. So he's letting us know in John fifteen that the world hates you. Now let's let's look at this. But all these things, verse twenty one, will will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken it unto them, they would they they had um they had not sinned, but now that they have a cloak, um now that they have no cloak for their sin, he that hateth me hateth my father also. So here is Jesus Jesus is talking about the distinction between the people of God and the world. The people that accept him and his word and his ministry as their way out. He boils it down to hatred. And you got to understand that there is an utter hatred that the world has for those who are saved. And, and, and I know it sounds simple, but sanctification is not way out. <laughs> you know, um, we need to know, and of course, right, right after this, he introduces the comforter from the conflict. The conflict is that the world's going to hate you because you're saved. The comfort is that you have the Holy Spirit that will lead and guide you into the truth. And it won't only be an external awareness, it'll be an internal awareness that awakens depth 
in your life, in your liberty, and in your love. The reason why I'm saying this is, 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 very, is very clear and concise. Sanctification is what is going to be needed for you to exist in your confidence to overcome the world. Now, next week we're going to be dealing with systemic authority, or systemic authority and, and warfare and tell you how these systems really work. You know, I'm going to talk about what the world, has, the modern world has used to control and govern um, influence over people and how we, by the Spirit of God, have an advantage, a superiority, superiority that can only be allotted through the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of it is engaged when we shift and we make the steps necessary to achieve overcoming the world. When we take the steps, this is what we've been talking about, it's going to be actualized in our sanctification. Now, let me give you a definition of sanctification as we close for today. Sanctification is an overt display of our obedience to God by embodying like-minded virtues that empower godly conviction and conduct um, and character. Sanctification is realized in the life of the believer when they are aware of their conversion by the Holy Spirit, which means we have connections to superior truth, clarity on godliness, um, godliness and, and life conduct. And we change through truthfulness and faithfulness. Well, now, what, what happens? We convert to the Holy Spirit. When we talk about we're sanctified, we convert to the Holy Spirit. Scripture lets us know also in, uh, what is it? Uh, Tell me the, um, Tell me the Colossians chapter 2. I'm Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Amen. Got a little time. Got a few minutes. It says, um, beware. Well, actually, it says, well, we got to read this thing. Okay. Let me give you this. Let me give you the um, five things, and then I'll, I'll begin. Um, Section three of this, because I want you to have this ultimately. We want conversion by the Holy Spirit, conduct established through righteousness, which is a resolve to live, to live the straight and narrow, reign through our redemption, and receive the right standing that we have with God through Christ. Then character number three is built character built through the Holy Spirit. So we've seen conversion by the Holy Spirit, conduct established in righteousness and character built through the Holy Spirit, but really I'm talking about character built through faith, which is the exposure that we have in the Holy Spirit, experiencing the supernatural, exercising our righteous reality, and existing in the nature of God. Fourthly, we want to have compassion for the world because uh, uh, our convictions sees the change that the world needs. Our commitment to display godly character is also what empowers our compassion to have that conversation for them to join the great link. Nothing about Star Trek. There was a uh, a uh, series called Deep Space Nine, and in the Deep Space Nine, ultimately, there was a war um, 
the minion war. I love it. The concepts, all biblical manipulations and almost attacks, almost but still beautiful um, strength. And there was a uh, officer in the Deep Space Nine station called Odo, and Odo was a part of what was considered a, a class of species that had the highest level of power influence in the galaxy. So his um, um, his his people or his heritage got corrupted, and they would have shapeless forms, um, shapeless forms that nobody really could control them or kill them because they could form into anything and become anything, and couldn't stop them. So, of course, his um, um, they were infected, and it took all this whole series for him to go join back up into the Great Lincoln. Render as a result of him not being polluted because he was rejected. He had the solution to to heal the Great Link. As, as a result of that experience, they understood why he supported uh, Starfleet in in this, and it's just a beautiful thing because you know at first you think it's it's about Starfleet when it's ultimately about the Great Link, which caused the the Million Water Stop. I know I'm a I'm a Trekkie fan, and for those of you didn't know, um, but anyway, check out that series, Deep Space Nine. It's a powerful thing. But the Great Link is hey, when you connected to God. Salvation, the process of salvation gives us advantages. And those advantages empower us uh, beyond the norm. That's what I've been talking to you about in this series. You you know, you, you have compassion for the world because you want to cast light on living supernaturally in our private lives through our family. So this is a call for our family to step up to sonship, to commit to, to, to be a family of faith and command contradictions to cease. Why? Because we are the children of God. We are the people of God, established upon the promises of God, dedicated to the plan of God, with the purposes and passions of his heart embedded as entities that we that we emit through the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we can we can bring change, the change that we seek into reality and manifestation. Because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And you need to know you got to come out from among them and be separate because it is the sanctification, the shift to sanctification, which actualizes the changes that we have. Three things must happen for shifts for believers. We have to shift from secular, we have to shift from sin to salvation. We have to shift from being sensual to spirit led. And then, of course, this is done from abandoning secular living to sanctification. Now, how will this shift be sparked? It will be sparked through scriptural competency, thinking with the Holy Spirit, securing realized gifting, sticking to our standards, and sanctifying the Lord God in our heart. Amen. I'm out of time. <laughs> I wish I had more time to share with you the, the reality of this truth. And next week, we're going to talk about systemic authority and, and warfare, and we're going to go into another division <coughs> on overcoming the world. But overcoming the world is really acknowledging really the superiority of our salvation and the and the superiority of our sanctification. And we need to become sanctified. The Bible commands us to be sanctified. Come out among them and be sanctified. Amen. And I would get into holiness. Um, I may I may highlight sanctification a little bit and talk about holiness, but we need to get into some more spiritual depth in in um and systemic authority and warfare, and I want to talk about that 
because see what the world is doing is trying to keep you stuck in a system. For whom the Son is set free, it's free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words, you for the authority and the potential that we have to grow as a result of being sent to your word. Let even the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. And Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that as we continue this journey or overcoming the world, that people will be provoked.